Welcome to WCG Talks Trials, the podcast where we dive deep into the world of clinical research, sharing the latest trends, insights, and best practices from experts across the industry. In each episode of WCG Talks Trials, we'll explore a different area of the clinical trial industry while featuring a diverse range of clinical research and medical professionals. If you're passionate about advancing clinical research, improving patient outcomes, and driving healthcare forward, then WCG Talks Trials is the right podcast for you. We are so glad you could join us today. Hello, all. I'm Karen McConnell, Medical Chair Director for WCG's IRB. It's my privilege to be discussing a policy change that's going into effect for our IRB with Lindsay Abraham, Regulatory Chair Director. Hi, Lindsay. Good to talk to you today. And why don't we just get a brief introduction from you, who you are and your role here. Sure, happy to. Thanks for having me. My name is Lindsay Abraham. I am a regulatory chair director with WCG IRB, and I've been with the company for about 13 years now. Thanks, Lindsay. So today we're talking about the concise summary and its application to consent forms, especially for WCG. So first, let's talk about what is the concise summary? What are the requirements? Yeah. So a concise summary is supposed to be key information about the research that's most likely to help assist a prospective subject in understanding why they may or may not want to participate in the study. So this part of the consent form has to be organized and presented in a way that helps subjects understand and comprehend. And it's also supposed to be concise and focused. So it should be fairly short. Excellent. Thank you. Those sound somewhat vague. Are there any specific requirements for what's in this concise summary? So the regulations don't have specific requirements of all the elements that need to be in the concise summary. And it could vary depending on the nature of the research involved. But the preamble to the regulations that were published in 2018 does have a list of elements that were thought to be appropriate to include in the concise summary. So that includes that consent is being sought for research, that subject participation is voluntary, the purposes of the research, duration of expected participation, what procedures are involved, the reasonably foreseeable risk, which can be limited to the most important. Same thing with the procedures. So what are the most important procedures that might be involved? The benefits that may result to subjects or others, and if there's any appropriate alternatives. One thing that's important to point out too, I think, regarding the concise summary is if there's elements of consent that are listed out in the concise summary, they don't need to be listed later. So the intent really is to make sure subjects have a good understanding up front about what the research entails. Great. Appreciate that. And does WCG have any additional requirements or interpretations about what needs to be in a concise summary? So generally, we found that concise summaries um, are required if the consent form is longer than four pages. So really, if the consent form is only four pages, it's pretty concise itself as it is. As far as elements are concerned, we've basically aligned with the preamble um, that I just talked about. And we like the summary to be no more than about three pages long. Again, I think it's important to note that it could vary depending on the type of research that's involved. But we, we basically align with the preamble to the 2018 regulations. That's great. And this is part of those 2018 regulations. So federally funded studies require this. Well, FDA studies do not. However, WCG is requiring this now. Why? Yeah, I think that's a great question. So we think it's an important time, appropriate time to require this. 
for a few reasons. First, we think it enhances participant understanding. I think we also have a better grasp on what a key information summary looks like since we've been working on it with um, a number of studies that have been submitted since the common rule went into play. The next thing is that uh, WCG is a signatory to the SMART IRB agreement, and we recognize that there are some upcoming planned amendments to that agreement, which will likely require the application of the common rule to any research where there's a reliance uh, on the IRB using that SMART IRB agreement. And finally, we believe the FDA is likely to harmonize their consent element requirements at some point in the near future with the common rule. And we'd like to be in a good position to be compliant with those re requirements when they happen. Thank you very much. And just for clarification, the SMART IRB is part of the one IRB mandate for all studies, right. correct? Yeah, SMART IRB was developed after the NIH single IRB mandate as a way for institutions to be able to rely on each other and to be able to rely on other IRBs where single IRB is required. However, it's also used in situations where single IRB isn't required. So there's a lot of entities that use that as their reliance agreement um, with a number of IRB, IRBs, including WCG. So much, Lindsay. I appreciate it. If anyone in the audience has any questions, feel free to include them. Otherwise, thank you all very much and hope you have a great day. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Karian. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of WCG Talks Trials. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on your preferred listening platform as we continue to explore different areas of the clinical research industry. As always, we encourage you to join in the conversation. Feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for future topics you'd like to hear on the show by visiting us at wcgclinical.com slash podcast. We're here to serve as a trusted resource as we work to improve lives and accelerate clinical research together.